Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged. This is the podcast of Council 4 AFSME. We represent 30,000 hardworking women and men throughout the great state of Connecticut. I'm here with my colleague, Renee Hamill. How are you doing, Renee? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Good to have you. And with us today are two guests. They are state representatives-elect Kate Farrar from West Hartford and Mike D. Giovancarlo from Waterbury. We're very pleased to have them for the first part of our show. And on the second half of our show, we'll be talking to our legislative advocates, Brian Anderson and Zach Levy, about how things uh, will shape up during the 2021 legislative session. So without further ado, I'm going to throw it over to you, Renee. And uh, again, we're grateful for uh, having some time uh, from Mike and Kate. So go ahead, Renee. Yeah, thanks for joining us, uh, Kate and Mike. And I want to say congratulations on winning your seats to represent the constituents in your district. We know your campaigns this year had the extra challenge um, to win an election with the coronavirus pandemic happening. Uh, but now that you are officially elected and legislators, um, tell us in a couple sentences how that feels. No, oh, I'm excited uh, about the road ahead. Uh, obviously, um, a, a little. Uh, I believe we're going to be a little bit uh, in the beginning, uh, maybe doing a lot of um, Zoom meetings, maybe not so much in person. Uh, but I, you know, I, I worked uh, hard on this election. I, I did beat a two-term incumbent, and in, uh, who was uh, pretty much anti-union. So uh, I have different views on labor, uh, on medical benefits than she does, and I just, uh, you know, hopefully can get to work. Uh, I do have a few ideas that I want to try to get it put in place and uh, go from there. But uh, very excited. And I want to, uh, you know, want to move a, a little bit in a different direction than my opponent did. What about, what about you, Kate? Sure. It's great to see you all. Uh, you know, I have to say, thinking about this question a little bit, um, every day seems like the other. So when you say, how does it feel to be, a, to be elected? Um, it doesn't feel much different, you know, from a standpoint of a couple months ago, um, given kind of what we're going through in our state and our communities for COVID. But personally, for me, it's all about, you know, what comes next. Um, and it's all about what the work is going to look like next. So to me, it's, you know, continually listening, continually making sure we address this crisis and that we do our best as legislators, even though how we might do it might look different given COVID. Yeah, so um, now that you are um, elected in your seats, you know, how do you see um, unions and working people as um, a key um, to getting, you know, other worker-friendly um, legislators elected and how, you know, maybe how they've helped you get elected? Kate? Sure. Well, I mean, I'm incredibly proud that I had the endorsement of council four and so many other unions. And to me, unions are just the heart of how we have a middle class in our country, how we have a middle class in our community and how we make sure we have jobs um, that are sustaining enough to really rebuild our economy. So to me, at the heart of it, it's making sure that all of our union workers feel that their voice was not only heard during the election, um, but it's going to be heard as we move into the legislative session. Um, and I would just encourage everyone to keep up that momentum of continuing to use their voice and to see us as partners in the cause. Do you agree with that, Mike? Yes, I do. Yeah, I was uh, absolutely, uh, I had tremendous support uh, from the, all the unions. I was really, uh, really impressed and uh, encouraged by them. It was definitely a, um, 
a, a strong group of people that that care about their jobs, care about their work. Uh, I think that we do have to um, definitely keep them protected as they are working. But I, I think we really need to, to try to keep them working, try to keep projects going, try to keep them working. Uh, and, and, and as far as, uh, you know, getting uh, I think I, the unions can just they can just spread the word, spread the word to their fellow workers, how important it is to vote locally, how important it is to pay attention to your candidates and, and what they're actually doing for you. You know, so not so much the party line vote and, and just make sure that they're they're out there fighting for the hardworking families and hardworking union families. Thanks so much for uh, your answers. Uh, our guests are Kate Farrar, uh, state representative elect from the 20th district in West Hartford. And Kate, uh, uh, until very recently, served as the executive director of the Connecticut Women's Education and Legal Fund. And you have been, uh, and Qualf has been a tremendous ally in uh, fighting for working families, uh, paid family leave, and so many other issues. So we appreciate your work there. And also the, the positions Quelf took um, in support of uh, uh, making sure that public employees administer vital um, social um, safety net programs. So thank you, Kate. And our other guest is um, Mike DiGiovancarlo. Uh, Mike served on the Board of Aldermen in Waterbury. Um, also, uh, you are a Waterbury police officer and uh, a patrolman in the city of Waterbury. And we appreciate the work you do every day to um, protect and to serve your community. Uh, so my question for you both actually is, um, we are living in this crazy pandemic. Uh, how will you govern in the, in the upcoming session? Um, how, how are you guys going to handle um, getting the, the business of the people done during a pandemic? Um, I guess I'll go first. Uh, Speaker Ritter has uh, told us that we will be up there. Uh, it may be Zoom uh, from your offices, but we will we will be going to Hartford. Uh, every day as we're supposed to or scheduled to, and we will, uh, you know, legislate like it's, you know, like we have to, we gotta, it's, it's gotta get done. Uh, I'm willing to go up there. I'm willing to zoom, uh, willing to do whatever it takes to, uh, to make sure that we get the job done and, and, and get Connecticut in the right direction. And I would just add, I think as candidates, you know, we learn to be flexible in making sure that we were consistently listening to our constituents. And I think we have to keep that up, you know, so to me, it's making sure that, yes, as um, we take on legislative session, um, we're going to be faced with committee hearings and uh, voting on bills, um, which, as was said, might be in person or on Zoom. But in regards to our outreach to our, to our community, you know, that has to be everywhere and anywhere that people want to connect. Um, and I think we found that through our campaign, we have to be creative in that and do more online and still, you know, make sure we have offerings for people um, in person where they're comfortable. And that's what we have to keep up even through this process. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's definitely going to be a different road. Yeah, and I, I guess your your campaign sort of were a preview. Obviously, um, you know, you, you had to um, campaign in entirely different ways this year, um, and, and you both did a great job, as evidenced by the the, the results. Uh, go ahead, Renee. So we're not sure at this point um, what committees um, you're assigned to, and we're not sure if um, you've been told what your assignments are as of yet, but we'd like to know um, what committees you'd like to serve on and what are your legislative priorities for this next session. Do you want to start, Mike? Uh, sure. Okay, yeah, Mike. Um, so I had put in for uh, public safety, uh, for commerce, uh, veterans affairs, and uh, aging. I, I can't recall the fifth one, but... 
I really am a, uh, uh, my first uh, couple of things I really want to legislate from is the out-of-state plate tax. And, and here in Waterbury, we're getting, uh, we're getting, uh, you know, beaten down by a lot of uh, people that are, are avoiding our local taxes, our car taxes by keeping uh, cars registered out of state. Uh, it's been a fight that I've been fighting for since 2016 up there through uh, Representative Reyes. Uh, my former opponent also worked on it. And then I have some ideas uh, that I really don't want to comment on yet about uh, about some uh, law enforcement to uh, maybe help assist with the uh, less lethal additions to uh, to, to the uh, officer's, uh, um, you know, belt or whatever you want to say, uh, however you want to put it. But I think we, we put ourselves sometimes in, in, in positions that where, you know, maybe if we had that one more less lethal weapon, uh, it would really help in, in certain situations. So I'm, I'm thinking about uh, on the public safety side of it and policing side of it to really uh, to really revolutionize how how we can go about about fighting without uh, going to that last uh, fatal step. I love hearing that because I think as colleagues we haven't necessarily been able to talk as much about this. So um, I appreciate hearing and in your question, Renee. As you said, uh, we don't know what we're going to get. Um, we have certainly made requests, and uh, I think um, Waterbury and West Hartford, we have multiple representatives. So, um, certainly been trying to coordinate with fellow representatives. Um, but to me, uh, I have great interest in higher ed and employment, particularly in how we come out of this crisis and in investing in job training and apprenticeships in greater ways. Um, I also have great interest in uh, the insurance committee and pressing forward with affordable and accessible health insurance. Um, and I also have um, interest in the finance and planning and development committees and want to make sure that we kind of create a more fair economy as we come out of this crisis and address a lot of our racial inequities with education and housing policies. Um, so to me, a lot of what will be determined um, will be some of our committee assignments. Um, but I know that as colleagues in the House, um, we'll be working together, I'm sure, on a lot of individual priorities we have to um, but COVID number has to be front and center, I know, for all of us. And, you know, the health and safety is primary and how we hopefully um, also manage what federal funds might be coming to our state, hopefully in the new year, um, and how we balance that with the state investments that we need to make. Since this is a budget year, we have to be strong and certain in how we're coming out of this crisis and making those investments for our future. Uh, well said by both of you, and I think that provides a, a, a perfect segue to a question I wanted to ask, um, and our guests are Mike D. Giancarlo, uh, state representative-elect from Waterbury, and Kate Farrar, state representative-elect from West Hartford. And the General Assembly, you as members of the General Assembly, are going to have to work with the governor to create a budget in a, in a year, in, a, in an era of economic uncertainty, obviously exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the administration has forecasted budget shortfalls of anywhere from one to $2 billion in each of the next two fiscal years. And so I, I wanted to hear from you both. Um, what do you think are some broad solutions to the economic challenges facing our state? And, and more specifically, how do we make sure that um, budgets are not balanced or that cuts don't fall on the backs of working and middle-class families who, as, as Mike said uh, uh, and Kate said, are, are already struggling. I could start, uh, I think, to your point, it builds off of, you know, what you had just asked us about priorities because, you know, we are in this kind of weird spot, right, of 
in some ways, knowing we have to move forward with a legislative session, um, but also knowing that we have uh, new national leadership um, coming on board. And I think from the standpoint of how we come out of this crisis, you know, we have to do everything at the state level to create a fair budget. Um, but we also have to use our advocacy, um, both as legislators and I hope as workers, to make sure that what we might have um, out of our new Congress is truly um, an investment in our small businesses, is an investment in our infrastructure, is an investment in our childcare, because we need those things to come out of this crisis. Um, so to me, I want to make sure that um, we're working together on what we're asking for at the federal level. But then at the state level, I want to make sure, um, again, that as we create this budget, um, that we are not laying down our workers um, and our state workers who are key to our economy. Um, but number two, we're also addressing how we can create a fairer tax system so that the burden long-term really isn't on working class and middle-class families in our state. Good. Mike? Sure. And I agree with the, uh, the tax fairness. I, I think we really got to address the tax fairness. Uh, really, healthcare, we got to address healthcare. Uh, it, it's uh, even as myself, uh, every year, it's, you know, you, you seem to get that raise, but then you seem to get that boost in healthcare, that cost uh, boost and you seem to be going nowhere over time, you know? So I think we got to definitely address the healthcare issue. And also I think the biggest thing is that I've learned through talking to most of the unions are we need to start keeping our work in-house, you know, consultants. Uh, I know the DOT did a study that if they just kept their, their engineering and their, um, you know, their in-house planning and all that, they would save a hundred million dollars a year just by keeping everything in-house. And I, and I think that's the important thing that we, we have to do. Let's, let's rely on our workers that we have, we have more than enough qualified workers throughout the state. Let's rely on them. Let's let's have them do their job, have them do what they're getting paid for. And I, I think they'll they will, number one, produce a better job. Uh, but I, I think that's a, a good start is to, to let's let's bring the let's bring the money back to our workers. Let's keep it in-house. And I believe we could save also a lot of money while while, you know, ensuring that these families have have good jobs and, and good health care. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, continuing the focus on workers, um, you know, how do you see um council for members and other workers, you know, what can they do to make their voices heard and help move the state forward? I can jump in, you know, I would say number one, um, from the standpoint of what you can do now, I know so much of our energy, you know, went in for this election, you know, all of 2020. Um, but I would really encourage you to keep using your story, your voice, you know, with us as legislators um, and partners, but, you know, with all of your legislators, um, because the time starts now. I know session is January 6th when we get sworn in, um, but now is the time to make sure that, you know, legislators are up to speed on, as what was said, just how critical, you know, not only... Um, the self-sustaining um, job is, but also healthcare, and as we said, you know, kind of creating a fair budget really are to you um, and your family. So, you know, early and often, I would say, um, in contacting legislators, and you know, make sure that you feel like uh, that you're really a part of this process, no matter how different it could look. Um, I'm actually hoping that, just like we saw with the summer and some of the informational forums that in some ways, I hope this session 
with COVID to make it more accessible to more workers being able to participate. So um, through Zoom and more online forums, I'm hoping that that's a real way to create um, more public engagement and more worker engagement. And I agree with Kate on the, um, you know, reach out to your legislator, reach out to me. Uh, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to be very accessible. Um, my, my number will be every, everywhere. Call me. Uh, but I agree. You got to, you got to, you got to, you know, speak, you got to contact everybody. You got to make your voice heard, uh, you know, to, uh, to help, to help us with the fight. Cause you know, you're reaching out to us and, and identifying the problem will help us tremendously down the road. I want to thank both of you. Our guests have been Mike D.G. Carlo, state representative elect from Waterbury and Kate Farrar, state representative elect from West Hartford. Uh, two candidates that we were, our, our reunion members of council for were proud to endorse. Uh, you both, uh, won your elections and I know you're, you're looking forward to, um, serving and, you know, we, we want to thank you. Um, public service, <laughs> um, is a difficult job and you have busy lives outside of what's going to happen at the legislature. So, um, uh, kudos to the both of you for wanting to give back and wanting to, to serve your constituents. We appreciate it. And we look forward to working with you. However, um, Difficult it might be because of COVID, but we we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. We'll see you again. Hey, we're back on Council 4 Unplugged, and our guests for the second half of our show are Brian Anderson and Zach Levy. Uh, Brian and Zach do a fantastic job as our legislative and political advocates on behalf of all of our union members across the state. And we wanted to talk to you a little bit about what happened in the 2020 election and perhaps preview what uh, we can expect in the 2021 legislative session. So, Renee, I'll throw it over to you for the first question. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, you know, tell us about the past election. You know, we'd like to know about what the council did um, and members and staff. What did we do to help elect some union friendly candidates this past election season? Well, because of COVID, it was it was kind of a challenge since we couldn't do our traditional labor to labor door knock, which has always been kind of our strength. Is that you know we put boots on the ground and we go talk to members, and we educate them about the choices that they have in the upcoming election. Uh, so instead, uh, since we were limited in that, we did this thing called a contactless lit drop, which kind of had uh, a lot of pieces about what candidates we endorsed that the AFL endorsed, and that was how we were able to kind of inform members. Uh, in different districts, as well as doing phone banks and texting. And I think we had, uh, you know, really good outcomes. Yeah, we did a a lot more uh, phoning. And one of the nice things was people seem to pick up the phone more this year than in the past. Phoning has uh, dropped over the years. But this year, I think people were very receptive And like Zach said, uh, we did a lot of walking through neighborhoods, not knocking on doors. But I I think we both agree that there were a lot of people we ran into um, who would see somebody, a union member, walking up their uh, lane to their house and come out and talk to us. We really had some good interactions. Um, It's it's true. I mean, it's. Despite the pandemic, obviously, we saw uh, tremendous voter engagement uh, around the state and around the country. 
Uh, so heading into the 2021 session, uh, you, you both heard from our guests, Kate Farrar and Mike DG Giancarlo, who are uh, going to be uh, serving their first terms in the General Assembly. The state obviously is looking at a deficit. We're looking at the continuing impact of COVID-19. What does the legislative landscape look like um, from your viewpoints as it would affect um, union members and, and, and working families in general? Zach? You know, I think it's definitely uh, a bigger worker worker friendly majority. And I think a lot of that was some of the work we did. You know, we had a lot of our candidates uh, that we endorsed are now uh, in, in, in the House elect or, or Senate elect candidates, including union members like Mike DiGiovancarlo and George Cabrera in the 17th, which both flipped uh, seats that were uh, very kind of anti-union uh, conservatives to union members, which is always really helpful. Uh, you know, we have a super majority in the Senate and a bigger majority in the House, but that doesn't always mean uh, there's going to be uh, that that is now easy. You know, in some ways it gets a little harder um, when, especially when you look at things like the threats that are coming, COVID, the deficit, uh, budget issues coming up, things that we really are going to have to tackle. It, it's 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 going to be a very tenuous kind of session. Yeah, what, what I think is going to be our biggest hurdle is going to be the budget shortfall. Uh, we're looking at very big budget shortfalls over the next two years. It could be as big as a billion or even two billion. Um, a lot is going to depend on the federal government. And if they ever, if Congress ever gets done with the president, a bailout package, we've had uh, thousands, tens of thousands of small businesses uh go broke due to COVID. I, I think we're over 13% unemployed. Those are folks who are unable uh, to normally contribute to the tax base the way they would. Um, we are facing the traditional attacks that the Yankee Institute, which is a Koch brother uh, funded organization, make on public employees and attempt to destroy pensions. Corporate CEOs make a lot more profit when they don't have to give workers pensions. Um, unfortunately, we've seen the Connecticut Conference municipalities uh, jump in against workers, sort of making a dirty deal with the Connecticut Business Industry Association and the Yankee Institute to attack things like um, our state employee pensions, which had nothing to do with municipal government. So I think we're going to have a, a very challenging uh, session, but I think we're up to the challenge. Yeah, and, and, and groups like CCM you know, and CBIA are going to do everything they can to try to fight against things like fair taxation uh, of, of the wealthy, which you know, would help fund municipalities. Um, so that shows where CCM's priorities lie, is that they're not with their members, they're with you know, the, protecting the ultra-wealthy uh, who have gotten wealthier from COVID during COVID. Right, Zach. And uh, one of the uh, old sages of labor, Dennis O'Neill, once told me the only formula a public employee needs to know is taxes equal our pay, retirement, and health care. And we, if we don't have fair taxes, then public employees can't get a living wage can't get the annual call they need, can't get enough retirement, can't get affordable health care. 
We see a lot of our municipal members losing pensions and binding arbitration, which is outrageous. All of our peer countries provide pensions to every one of their workers, even workers at McDonald's. Uh, why can't we do that? It, it's corporate greed run amok. And uh, we certainly fight that. Zach and I do with the Capitol every day. And before Renee closes it out with her question, Brian, you just reminded me, too, of the fact that um, this is also about the services our members provide to the public um, that are in danger. And uh, to me, it's also about the fact that when we talk about things like health care, decent health care coverage and a secure retirement, that's something everybody should have. And um, if I'm hearing you correctly, then you we have to be the, the rising tide that lifts all boats. And that's the message we're trying to send to legislators. Right. Zach and I have spent a lot of time working on the public option, as have a lot of other citizens and unions. If the state health care uh, pool from state employees, which is at about a, a quarter million lives, were open to small business, um, you could seriously cut the cost of quality health care. Making that bigger and bigger pool makes sense. But, of course, you have the insurers rush in and uh, try to protect the, the extravagant pay of these few CEOs. Uh, Mr. Bertolini, who used to run the end, he used to pay himself $50 million a year. Um, Crazy. And, and I don't see – I don't see how any – Corporate exec running an insurance corporation can justify $50 million a year in pay by their performance, by wealth added. Uh, it's just waste. It's th- those kind of CEO salaries are stealing from their customers, from their workforce, and from the public. So trying to get a state option for health care would improve lives for hundreds of thousands of, of Connecticut working people overnight. And I, I just want to mention, uh, Larry, because you mentioned uh, services and the services that we provide are critical. I mean, we've seen during COVID uh, the critical services that we've continued to provide compared to the private sector, which has caused problems and privatization in the next upcoming session is going to be a big issue. And you're going to see things like, you know, public private partnerships, which is just a backdoor to privatization anyway. And this kind of threat and push uh, for privatization is going to need to be countered by revenues that we continue providing public services that benefit everybody rather than privatization, which only kind of enrich the companies that are taking our public work and that harms all the workers that are providing uh, these services and helping stimulate our economy when we need it most. Right. We, We need to make up that municipal shortfall that um, is happening because of the death of so many small businesses. We need a federal bailout of the municipalities. We need state help with the municipalities. We're also facing uh, about 51 state employee unit contracts and awards potentially coming up in the next year. Another great um, challenge that faces the state is what's called the silver tsunami. Because of the uh, loss of COLA uh, for pensions coming up, there is an incentive for lots of state employees to retire by June 30th of 2022. We're worried that there are lots of signs of privatization 
will be an answer, a cheap, easy answer that actually is far costlier in the long run that some in state government are advocating. And all we need to do is look at Boeing and the disaster with the 737 MAX, where government inspectors were taken off of uh, doing the policing work on that engine. And, and that work was given to Boeing contractors who Boeing controlled. The 737 MAX privatization disaster threw our whole economy off. And uh, it, it's going to wind up in uh, billions of dollars of loss, lots of layoffs, because some corporate executives were able to convince members of Congress and the president that they did a better job policing themselves in government. And that's never going to work. So uh, we just talked about a lot of the challenges ahead, a lot of them. And um, and I think that, you know, whenever there's a crisis, there's always somebody that's going to take an opportunity to enrich themselves and leave workers behind even more. So what do you see that workers can do? You know, we can rise up and, and try to get some legislation passed that will, um, you know, help them out and help their families out in the long run. Oh, what do you see as some of the solutions for how we can do that? I think now, you know, more than ever, especially when we're going to be, you know, even more socially distanced uh, in during session for a lot of it. Uh, and at the critical times, especially when it comes to things like public hearings or rallies that are that are going to be less likely uh, because of where we are in terms of uh, COVID-19 and numbers. We're going to need working people to really be focused on contacting their their state legislator, contacting their their uh, person, the House of Representatives, the senator, emailing the governor, because these are the people that are going to be writing the budget uh, that are going to impact them and that we can get revenue and that we can protect services and that we can push for a public option and really make a state and be a model that's good for working families. But it's going to be critical, especially with these new legislators coming in that they really email, call, do everything they can to talk to their uh, their representative and their senator so we ensure that like our rights, that everything we believe in economically is fought for and that there's some economic justice uh, with the wealthy who have really just kind of been ransacking uh, our state and country. Zach's right. We still have a democracy and it only works if people use it. People need to be willing to call their state reps, call their state senators, call the governor, call their Congress people, their municipal officials, and, and make the system work the way it's supposed to. Well said by Brian and Zach. And our guests on the second half of Council 4 Unplugged have been Council 4's uh, amazing legislative and political team of Brian Anderson and Zach Levy. Uh, I want to thank Renee Hamill, our co-host. I'm Larry Dorman. Thanks for listening to Council 4 Unplugged, and we'll see you soon. And don't forget, you've been unplugged. As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged.